You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium and Gale. It's your boy Dan. You guys had Ahmad and Silk yesterday who did a fantastic job breaking down the Gators game against Texas A&M. Unfortunately, I was unable to make it. I had a couple of conflicts, but the guests reached out. The guests wanted to hear some of my thoughts. Uh, we talked about it, talked to Corey and talked to Ahmad. They said, hey, go ahead, uh, put your thoughts out there. So this is going to be a quick pop-up show with Dan's thoughts on everything. This is the episode that everybody has been wanted. Dapper Dan solo dolo. But before we get into the show, I want to shout out two sponsors that are sponsoring this episode of Stadium and Gale. The first is my good friend, Alan Horn with AllenHornInsurance.com. Alan Horn, you might remember, was a former Florida Gators baseball player and was on that team that played Texas in the College World Series back in 2005. Alan Horn's insurance agency is a state farm agency just located outside of uh, Atlanta, Georgia, up there in Jasper. Allen and his team offer premium products backed by premium service in auto, home life, and business insurance, as well as retirement plans. Allen also is a mortgage broker through Quicken Loans, offering historically low rates, dipping as low as 1.75%. I just refinanced my house. Unfortunately, I live in Florida, so I couldn't go through Allen, but I did it. It was nowhere close to 1.75%. So reach out to Alan Horn at 706-692-2888, or you can reach out online at Alan Horn, that's H-O-R-N-E, insurance.com. Again, AlanHornInsurance.com, 706-692-2888. Love Alan, awesome guy. Reach out to him. Would love to talk to you not only about insurance and how we can protect you and your family and your property uh, and your uh, and your valuable assets, but would also love to talk to you about Gator Sports as well. Also want to shout out my friend Joaquin Martinez, who, uh, who owns InsightCounseling.com. That's E-N-C-I-T-E Counseling.com. You can reach him at 407-506-4418. He provides couples and marriage counseling in downtown Orlando. He can do it online or in person. He helps couples communicate better understand each other better and stop arguing about the same damn things all the same damn time. He's affordable. He's convenient. And he's awesome. Visit him insight counseling. That's again, E N C I T E counseling.com. Give him a call at four zero seven five zero six four four one eight again, Joaquin Martinez. Before we get into the show, uh, and this is not going to be a super long show, but before we get into the show, I do want to touch base on the latest and breaking uh, news in the Gator world. Five Florida Gators have tested positive for COVID-19, and so the University of Florida, out of abundance of caution, has halted practice. There are 
from what I understand and whom I've talked to, there's one potential starter uh, in that group, but out of that group, there has been uh, a potential need to do some contract tracing just because of who they live with and who their roommates might be, that you may see some additional need for Florida to sit out of a couple of players out of the game against LSU, which is this upcoming weekend. I know the University of Florida, I know parents and I know players are hoping that these are false positives. They will get retested again to ensure whether they were positive or false positives. Uh, as a whole, uh, I believe two negative tests after a positive test will determine that that was a false positive. But again, the University of Florida has halted practice and all football activities out of an abundance of caution. The University of Florida is scheduled to play this Saturday against Louisiana uh, State. Uh, who is going to be traveling uh, here. And if that game is not played this week, Florida cannot play LSU until the end of the season. That would be December 12th if they'd have to play each other, which is the week, I believe, of the SEC championship. Uh, I, they may have an additional bye week there for, for game or situations like this. But Florida's bye week is against the uh, the, uh, the week that Florida plays Georgia, so they won't play that weekend. So at the end of the day, the only chance that Florida and LSU could play each other again would be at the end of uh, the season. Obviously, that would be a very different game as both teams are both reeling on defense and explosive on offense. This would be a, a, a situation where Florida would probably win this game this week simply because LSU's defense is even worse than Florida's defense. But at the end of the day, we may not see that game. Should that game be played, however, Laura Rutledge was just announced that he misses two bits or missed two bits, pardon me, uh, against uh, for the LSU game. Uh, if you're looking for a, an equatable situation, Vanderbilt right now is going to have to move their game this weekend against, uh, I believe, Missouri uh, because they're under this threshold uh, that the SEC requires, and that's to have 53 scholarship players available. There's not that many players at Vanderbilt right now that have COVID, but there are a number of players that are being held out because of contract tracing or contact, pardon me, tracing reasons. So if that being said, in Florida circumstance, obviously you're going to have a number of players that have traveled. Uh, you're going to have a number of places or uh, uh, people that are roommates, uh, people that have worked out, have eaten, have gone to class, have hung out, etc., cetera, uh, with players that have potentially tested positive for COVID-19. If that's the case, and these don't turn out to be false positives. I don't see a, a chance that Florida plays this weekend. I, I would put those chances at very, 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 very small, probably less than 10%. And if that's the case, you, you also have to worry about potentially the week after just because of the standards that Florida has of those that have tested positive or those that have been around those that have tested positive. Um, certainly we won't opine anymore just simply because of the nature of the situation. But again, I do think that it is important to mention that Florida could potentially be not only missing this week against LSU, but potentially the week after simply because of contact tracing. So pray that it's false positives, but Certainly a circumstance that we need to deal with until we deal with that, until we know a little bit more. I do want to give my thoughts on Florida's game against Texas A&M, the thoughts on Florida season, and then potentially some thoughts on just the overall state of the program as it is right now. So you look back in Florida's game against Texas A&M, Florida's offense looked, again, nearly perfect. Uh, save a bad throw uh, into triple coverage or a very ill-timed Ill fumble by Malik Davis. The Gators averaged 7.18 yards per play, 402 yards of offense, and 38 points 
numbers that in any normal circumstance would win you probably 99 out of 100 games. However, this is a bit different. Uh, the defensive floor has been putting out on the field this season uh, changes that number from 99 times out of 100 uh, where they should win with 38 points to potentially closer to 60 out of 100. Uh, and Florida got beat the way that they want to beat teams by big plays and converting when they need to. Uh, Texas A&M had an unbelievable third down percentage. They played incredibly well when they needed to. They converted when they had to. And ultimately, they had some unbelievably big plays uh, and big throws. And, and, and you know, I, I guess some big rushes as well that really helped uh, them prevail against Florida in a 41 uh, to 38 game. The enigma, I believe, of the Florida Gators defense is that it doesn't make sense, in, in my opinion, for it to be this bad. Uh, Saturday, in my opinion, was amongst the worst uh, defensive performances I've seen uh, the University of Florida put up. Uh, the 2007 defense didn't look nearly this bad. You could see in that 2007 defense that they were getting better and that they were just young and that they just didn't have a ton of experience with Joe Hayden starting as a as a freshman, uh, moving over from quarterback to defensive back. I believe you had Moses Jenkins. You had a young Ahmad Black. You had a number of players from that 2006 defense that had graduated. Uh, but at the end of the day, this defense looks nothing like this defense, even though that defense uh, was reeling quite a bit. Uh, I believe this defense looks soft. They struggle with tackling. They took terrible angles. They seemed afraid to wrap up and simply could not get pressure. But I think my biggest issue, ladies and gentlemen, is that they just look confused. Uh, you know, Florida replaced several starters last season. They replaced many of them with folks, however, that had been in the system and learned under Todd Grantham for you know three years now, at least two years uh, for most of them. Um, there's a struggle on assignments. There's a struggle of getting lined up. There's a struggle of getting set up into the play to be able to make coverage. It seems like there's a lot of confusion on whether it should be in, in press coverage or that whether they should give them a cushion or not. Florida has players like Zach Carter, like Brenton Cox. They shouldn't be getting having. They shouldn't have this much trouble on defense getting to the quarterback. And yet again. Florida was unable to record a sack in this game. And I believe Dave Waters from Gator Breakdown said it. Florida has gotten two sacks, two total sacks in the six games that they have lost under Dan Mullen and his regime here at the University of Florida. To me, that means that Florida needs to get to the quarterback in order for it to win. It's not only sacking the quarterback to potentially lose a down, to potentially lose yards. It's to create pressure. It's to create havoc. It's to force them to make decisions. And Florida is simply not doing that. I've noticed in the defensive line and I've noticed in the linebacker position that Florida is struggling to break their block, that they often over-pursued when they did, or they were simply blitzing players, whether it was a cornerback, Kyrie or Elam did it, Donovan Steiner did it on, on some clips that I saw, where they are too far away. By the time they even got to the quarterback, the quarterback was able to read the read the blitz and throw in that direction, which is what they're taught to do. You know, Florida's blitzing from 15 yards away, 18 yards away, 12 yards away. By the time, no matter how quick they are, by the time that they're able to get to the quarterback, they're not there fast enough to be able to make an impact on that particular play. Obviously, Todd Grantham is a guy that's aggressive, right? Third and Grantham doesn't come from Florida's ability 
to just give up long third downs like they are normally. That's not where the phrase come from. came from. The phrase third and Grantham came from the idea that Todd Grantham was so zealous on third down, maybe potentially even overzealous, is that he would be so aggressive and that he would send so many players and that he would be so focused on, on getting to the quarterback and forcing that quarterback to make an, an ill-timed throw that it would open up large parts of the field. That's exactly what's happening now. Unfortunately, players are being sent from a position where they're not even able to potentially create or wreak that havoc on that quarterback. You know, so at the end of the day, I'm seeing a massive struggle with the players that Florida has in its system now, which if you look at a number of them, Donovan Steiner, third year under Todd Grantham, Marco Wilson, third year, Sean Davis, third year, Ventro Miller, third year. James Houston, third year. Brenton Cox, second year. Zachary Carter, third year. Terrell Slayton, third year. Right, All of these players that we're naming on defense have all been there a large, you know, or have been there the entire time that Todd Grantham has been there. They were recruited by every major program in America. Right, It's, it's not a skill perspective. Right now, it's a scheme perspective and something is going on. Right. And so we had a number of coaches, you know, and a number of analysts that came on this uh, this offseason and said, hey, this is an opportunity where Florida should be able to thrive. Obviously, Florida's been able to thrive on the offensive side of the ball. But during the pandemic, you have a situation where Florida was able to spend, you know, time in the weight room. Maybe not at Florida's weight room because it was closed, but they certainly had a good program uh, under Nick Savage. Florida's able to spend a lot of time on Zoom calls in meetings where they are able to go over schemes wherever they are where they were able to go over how they can get better right but what we've seen this season is florida looks fluid on offense and completely lost on defense we all know this right at the end of the day i'm not sure what florida is missing there's a lack of athleticism that Florida has the linebacker position. Ventro Miller, former defensive player of the week a couple weeks ago, looked great in run coverage, right? Incredible in run coverage. Um, at the top of the leaderboard at the University of Florida when it comes to tackles, when it comes to pressures, when it comes to overall providing and being the middle linebacker that you want to be in run coverage. However, when it comes to covering in the flats, when it comes to covering a tight end, or when it comes to a situation where Florida might be mismatched, he's not athletic enough to cover a tight end. He's not athletic enough to cover a wide receiver. And Florida's often caught in a situation where they don't have the personnel on the field to be able to provide, to be able to, you know, to protect against some of these, you know, offensive schemes, Right. James Houston, kind of a similar situation, right? Not as um, physically gifted athletically to be able to do that, right? I don't even want to get into to 30 because 30, I, I don't think it's a, it, it's a him problem with Amari Bernie. I don't, I don't think that it's an Amari Bernie problem. Personally, I think that he's just been shuffled around in, in too many different positions in too many different situations where he was recruited to safety and then he was put at star and then he's put at linebacker. And I get, you know, that his time moving to linebacker was in a situation where he didn't have a real off season to be able to learn the role. And so I don't want to blame him, but he's not 
you know, Florida's best option at linebacker. And if he is, that leaves me a lot of questions of what's potentially behind those three, right? I want to know more about Tyron Hopper, right? Former four-star guy, uh, played quite a bit last season, you know, all things considered. Um, I want to hear about a Derek Wingo. I want to hear about some of these other guys that at the end of the day have the athleticism, the speed to be able to cover where Florida's getting beat. You know, Florida's beat completely against Texas A&M up the middle. Uh, if I can find – here it is. Texas A&M was 19 of 22 in passing between the numbers for 274 yards and three touchdowns, right? A lot of that happened in between the field. That happened where your safeties and your linebackers should be covering, but Florida was able to give up 274 yards, three touchdowns, and ultimately a lot of those touchdowns came in a position where Florida wasn't – uh, Florida needed that stop to be able to to win that game. I don't want to dog any particular player. I don't want to dog any particular you know system. At the end of the day, you know Florida's just right now struggling. Right at the safety position, they're struggling. They're fine when it comes up when they need to make a big hit, but when it comes to tackling up and wrapping up, they're not able to do it. You know, Florida had 18 missed tackles. Recorded. I, I reckon it was quite a bit more than that, right? Florida also is having a big problem with tackles in general, right? You know, right now, if you were to look at Florida stats um, on defense, when it comes to just total tackles in general, you have a linebacker, Ventro Miller, that's leading the team with 30 tackles in the game or 30 tackles in the season. But after that, your next three players that Lead the team in tackles are Sean Davis, a safety, Kyrie Elam, a defensive back, and Donovan Steiner, a safety. Brenton Cox, who's a buck, is is fifth on the team. Then Diabate is sixth, and then and then Zach Carter, right? And then you have Amari Bernie, Marco Wilson, Rashard Torrance. So if you look at the top ten tacklers on Florida's team, five of them are coming from the defensive back position. Do you want to know who should not be leading the team in tackles? It's your defensive backs, right? So, so for me, Florida's got to, got to figure out, well, what can we do to be more athletic, right? Florida right now, in my opinion, seems off everywhere on defense. They have talented and gifted coaches at every position, right? Todd Grantham's defense thrives when there's pressure on the quarterback, but they can't get that for whatever reason. Brenton Cox is a guy who, you know, was all world and was told – Hey, might be the best player Todd Grantham has ever coached, right? Todd Grantham, I believe, called Marco Wilson his most versatile player he's ever coached, right? And so to say all of these things and to have that opinion and to say those means that something is amiss this season, right? It's see, it, to, to me, it's schematic, right? And to me, that's also baffling because they were able to watch film. They were able to break down assignments, study the playbook, all of that during COVID, Right. Nobody that Florida is starting right now are new starters. I mean, they, they might be new in, in that they're starting, but they're not new to Florida. Right? Brenton Cox had an entire year last year to learn this defense. Right? I mean, Kyer Elam, who backed up C.J. Henderson last season, played considerably last year to a point where, you know, he was receiving preseason potential All-American uh, honors because of how well and, 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 again, how much of an impact he made last season. Right? Outside of maybe Gervon Dexter, who's played well, in my opinion, at times, Travis Johnson, who's a dog out there, and Rashard Torrance, Florida's not 
replacing a ton, right? They're not bringing also a, a, a lot new in. But for the first time in 103 years, the, the Gators allowed opponents to score 100 points. You know, this is the first time Dan Mullen at Florida lost when Florida was in the lead or tied going into the fourth quarter um, of the game. So I don't know necessarily what, what to say or, or what to do, right? You know, Florida averaged uh, – or pardon me, Florida, like I said – allowed 19 of 22 passing in between the numbers for, for 274 yards and three touchdowns. You know, Marco Wilson, you know, allowed um, seven for seven passing against him for 132 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Kyer Elam was the only player on Florida that, uh, that defended a pass last, uh, last game against Texas A&M that, that allowed less than a 50%. Uh, pass rating against him. Marco Wilson, Travis Johnson, Jaden Hill, James Houston, Sean Davis, and Amari Bernie allowed every attempt against him to be completed. Uh, they were 16 for 16 against those five, or those six, I guess, for uh, 16 for 16 for 224 yards. You know, Florida ended with zero sacks, just seven hurries, only three quarterback hits. Um, the Gators allowed Texas A&M to have more than 70 plays on offense. It only happened twice last season. Right, and then like we talked about, eighteen missed tackles. So, so this is a, a few things, and we'll wrap up here. A few things that that I'm noticing. Number one is over the last number of years, Florida's recruited a lot of athleticism at safety. We can talk about guys like Travis Johnson, Rashad Torrance, right at linebacker. We can talk about guys like Derek Wingo, right. Almost a four-star guy, uh, or pardon me, almost a five-star guy, a four-star guy, wanted by everybody in the country. Um, you have Tyron Hopper. Again, kind of a similar cir- circumstance, uh, incredibly athletic, just a good body build, uh, everything else about him, just the type of guy that you want, 6'2", 225 pounds, redshirt freshman, uh, very, very, very athletic. Right, But outside of that, Florida has a bunch of players in one position, and that's the buck position. And, and that's a concern to me, right? I mean, if you look at Brenton Cox, Jeremiah Moon, Chris Bogle, Andrew Chatfield, Mahmoud Diabate, right? All of those guys are kind of that buck, that, that stand-up defensive end, potential linebacker, probably not fast enough to be able to, to run with your tight ends and your wide receivers. But I'm not sure they're able to wreak havoc enough. And that, to me, is a concern, that Florida has over-recruited that position. Now, if a guy like Brenton Cox says, hey, I want to transfer to Florida from Georgia, you're like, absolutely you want to take him. you know. But you look at that position, right? Andrew Trattenfield has been able to, to, to have some good plays. Chris Bogle has been able to have some good plays. Jeremiah Moon is having a, a, a rough season, especially for a redshirt senior. Uh, and then Brenton Cox, who – you know, for all intents and purposes is, is doing okay. Certainly not, you know, what Florida fans, you know, potentially thought he would be, but I think he's doing all right. But you have those four who probably deserve time in the field, but they're not able to be out there every single play. But that also leaves Florida with a really precarious situation at linebacker, right? We haven't seen much, if any, of Lloyd Semerall this year, right, at the linebacker position. Antoine Powell, haven't seen any of him, freshman. Ventro Miller, obviously, you know, you know, he plays and he's going to consistently play. Noah Keeter, uh, 
not not going to play. James Houston uh, has played uh, has played fine at, at times. Josiah Pierre haven't seen much of him, but Cedric Brunson I believe has one snap on the defense this season. Tyrone Hopper, Derek Wingo, and then. David Reese, and we've seen a little bit of, of David Reese, but again, that's a guy that's played out of position too, right? I mean, that's another guy, you know, similar to Amari Bernie that started off at safety, then moved to, to that star position, got injured, and now is in a linebacker position. You know, what does Florida have there? And that to me is a, is a major concern. Because Florida doesn't have the athleticism right now to be able to block, you know, even, or pardon me, to protect, you know, hash mark to hash mark. They don't have the speed and they don't have the size to do it. They have the size, but they don't have the speed or they potentially have the speed, but not the size. And that to me is a major concern when it comes to recruiting and the types of players that Florida is getting in that position. Right. And then we look at the the safety position and because she blocked me um, on Twitter, I can talk a little bit more about it, even though I didn't say anything about her son. You know, Donald Steiner is a guy that, again, has made some plays, but is consistently out of position or consistently taking that 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 wrong angle. Right. So beyond him. You have a number of question marks, and to me, this is areas where Florida's got to figure out, you know, what they want to do. Right? You have Trey Dune, who at, at times has played well, but also you have to wonder: is, is safety the right position for him or not? Right? Brad Stewart came back, played okay last game, but at the end of the day, you know, still coming back, still still getting his feet in the game. Bringing him back is certainly, in my opinion, going to be a net positive. Marco Wilson will get back into get him to a minute. Kyrie Elam, I think, just you know, is probably your best player on defense. I think he consistently shows who he wants to be. He makes his impact. And while he's going to give up some plays, I, I don't think a lot of that is because of him. I think a lot of it is because of a lack of playmakers on the other side. Sean Davis is definitely your best safety this season. But again, missed tackles, some poor angles, often having to overcompensate by the lack of other players. CJ McWilliams, we haven't heard much out of this year. Quincy Lighton just announced today, uh, which is October 13th, that he was going to be transferring. Trevis Johnson, really, really solid player. Uh, but again, you know, still learning, didn't get that offseason, wasn't able to spend as much time, you know, with the team and, and practicing with the team as he should. Ethan Pouncey, defensive, or, you know, he's going to play corner. Talk about him later. Rashard Torrance, again, a guy that, that's played quite a bit. Need to get on the buckles helmet a little bit more so it stops popping off and he has to run out for a play, you know. But he's still again learning. But outside of that, Florida's again strangely in a precarious situation at safety, right? It, it, it's like we want to bench, yeah, you know, or, or potentially not bench, but we want to potentially look at other options. But what are those other options that that Florida has available? Right? Is it more Trey Dean? Is it moving Brad Stewart from that star position to that true safety position? You know what? Are, what are Florida's options there? Right? And again, it's Florida has a lot of players that kind of tween in between that cornerback and safety spot, where it's like, well, if we need them. At cornerback, we can play them there. Or if we need them, we can play them at defensive back, right? Or, pardon me, play them at cornerback. But at the end of the day, Florida's missing, again, that size. But to me, the biggest thing that you'll notice 
on Florida's defense right now. And it's especially true at the safety position because the safety position should be a position that is the quarterback as well as the, the middle linebacker, Ventrell Miller, but should be able to see the play, know where to go, and be able to line up to make an impact play. Being at safety, and Ahmad has given me permission to say this, Ahmad was never the fastest guy on the field, but Ahmad was a guy that could look at the way that the play was set up and decide where do I need to go, where do I need to be, and how can I get there in the most efficient and quickest way possible. Right? That was Will Hill's problem is he couldn't figure that out. But a guy like Ahmad was able to figure that out and say, hey, how can I recognize this play and then make my impact? If you look at the way the safeties are playing, they're not looking at, okay, well, where can I make, you know, where, where can I be to look at the field to make the quickest impact? It's, oh, shoot, I'm not even lined up. I'm not even sure if I should be on the field or what my potential position is. And it's like, oh, shoot, Florida's opponents have already figured out, hey, if I move quickly, then they're going to be confused and not be able to get there to that side of the field or, or, or into position to be able to make a play. And that, to me, is where Florida's, lack of preparation or potentially lack of recruiting or certainly lack of development of some of the guys that are there to be able to know and recognize where they need to be, when they need to be there is what Florida is, is dogging Florida's defense. At the end of the day, that none of this is personal. And I'm going to wrap up with this. None of this is personal on any of the players. I think that every player is going out there and trying their best. I, I haven't seen players give up. I haven't seen players um, sulk. I haven't seen players be down on themselves. But what I'm noticing is, whereas Florida has been able to on the offensive side of the ball, especially with Kyle Trask, who's not the type of guy that is usually a productive quarterback in Dan Mullen's system or the guy that Dan Mullen would recruit, has been able to look at what do we have, right? Kyle Pitts this season, Kadarius Toney this season. Last season, it was a number of sure wide receivers. Not a ton of speed, but definitely guys you know like Van Jefferson, um, and Freddie Swain that were reliable guys, right? And the season before that, it was, hey, let's really pound the rock, you know, with LaMichael Piran. Whatever it is, you know, Florida's been able to make measured moves on offense. On defense, however, you know, Florida's still running the same system they've always run, but they don't have the people to do it, right? They don't have your Jabari Zuniga, your Jonathan Grenard, your um, – uh, Voshan Joseph, right? You don't have these players that that were able to make an impact, and so in my opinion that's where that, that's where Florida's problem is. And so when Dan Mullen says, "Hey, I want to make potential changes on the defense," to me that's okay. What do we have, and how can we take advantage of the best players that we have that are available, you know, to us now, rather than saying, "Hey, our system and our scheme is always X. How can we be X?" It's, hey, our players are Y. How can we fit our players into Y rather than fitting Y into X? Because that's never going to work, right? At the end of the day, I don't want to dog Marco Wilson. I know he struggled last game. But you want to know what, fans? And, and this isn't Stadium and Gale fans because you guys are the best fans in the world. This is the rest of the Twitter fans. Florida has a terrible reputation in the world of being jerks. Uh, of having just a bad reputation of we expect perfection every single game, right? Marco Wilson, I promise you, you don't have to tag him on Twitter, knows that he didn't have a good game. Chad Wilson doesn't need to know that you thought his son had a bad game. You know why? 
because Chad Wilson knows that his son didn't have a great, a great game. Marco Wilson knows that he didn't have a great game. Stop doing that. Stop tagging players. Stop tagging their parents. Stop this, you know, undermining a, 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 of these guys. Right? At the end of the day, they know they're on scholarship. Right? They didn't have a good game. You know, you know who needs to be tagged would be Todd Grantham. You know who needs to be tagged probably is probably just your friends. Like keep keep it off Twitter. Keep it in your friend group. At the end of the day, Florida's defensive problems aren't going to be fixed this season. Without an offseason, without an ability to really spend some time figuring out what Florida had on defense and the players that they had to be able to harness those guys, th- this might not be the year that they produce the defense that you're used to and that you're accustomed to as a Florida Gator fan, right? Florida, you know, has been considered a defensive, you know, stronghold for the last 30 years, or at least the last 20 years. But what I, what I will say is this, that Florida probably needs to move to some more athletic players, give players the opportunity that maybe the ones that are a little bit younger, your Tyrone Hoppers, your Derek Wingos, you know, your Rashard Torrance's, your Trevez Johnson, your Jaden Hills, your, um, Jahari Rogers, you know, your Mordecai McDaniel, those kind of folks, some opportunity as well, you know, at linebacker, you know, it's kind of the same thing, you know, Florida has over recruited that buck position, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, Florida is going to need to get to be able to play them a little bit more, but I guess I end with this, you know, Florida's loss to Texas A&M was a tough one. It's not one that I enjoyed watching. It's not one that you enjoyed watching. And it's probably one that in the middle of the week on Wednesday that you don't want to hear about. But Florida's defense is what it is. You know, Florida has athleticism. Florida struggled against Jimbo Fisher, national championship winning coach, with Kellen Mond, who, you know, had preseason, you know, hype, uh, Heisman hype preseason. But Florida can bounce back if they play this game against LSU this weekend. You know, Florida has a really good chance to win. Right. And then they move into, you know, part of their schedule where they should be able to, you know, win the next one. You know, get the game against Georgia is, you know, obviously going to be a tough one. You know, Georgia does look good and does look strong. You know, but after that, you know, Florida should be able to take care of Kentucky. They should be able to take care of uh, Tennessee. Right. You know, Florida could very easily go eight and two this season. They certainly could go nine and one. Florida controls its own destiny right now. So while a lot of folks on the on Twitter and on the message boards have written off Florida as you know a team that's you know completely lost the season. I don't think that we've lost it yet, right? We move on from this game. We learn more, and at the end of the day, we're fans, right? Be happy, cheer for your team, cheer harder. Make sure that you're there, rocking your orange and blue. Those are my thoughts. Offense, obviously humming, obviously clicking. If you're one of those people on Twitter that I called out on uh, Monday for wanting to fire Dan Mullen or Kyle Trask to be benched. Um, sorry for you. I hate that. I hate that's where you're at in your life right now. But at the end of the day, it is an absolute pleasure to be able to give you my thoughts, give you my opinion for the last 34 minutes. I want to shout out to Alan Horn with AllenHornInsurance.com. And I want to shout out Joaquin Martinez uh, with Insight consulting again give alan horn a call at 706-692-2888 visit him at alan allenhorninsurance.com or give joaquin martinez a call at 407-506-4418 or visit his website insightconsulting.com thank you so much it was a pleasure chatting with you guys and we'll talk to you soon bye-bye
And it took my head Got lost in wonder Of a sinful land yeah, I took the drink I liked the taste I burned the smoke I sparked the blaze That left me wanting It left me wanting When I was desperate And I lost my faith I found an angel In a broken place She led me out when I went astray She showed me peace, she lit the way Gave me comfort, she brought me comfort She led me out when I went astray She showed me peace, she lit the way Gave me comfort I guess I'm stuck out in the middle Cause I got this reckless heart that I can't take Just when I
Right. 